Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. I want to ask you to join me in the book of Acts chapter 2 and, and verse number 42. And I, I'll just use this scripture today as a, a, a launching pad, a catalyst maybe to kind of get started this morning. And I want to talk about... Really, basically, I want to talk about unity and the power of unity and, and uh, how that affects the church and how that affects the ministries of the church. And, um, and so I want, to, I want to just preach this morning a little while from this thought, the church united. The book of Acts chapter 2 and verse 42, the scripture says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Amen. The church united. God bless you and you can be seated. It has been said that when humankind fell from grace, that we not only inherited the tendency to hide from God, but we also inherited the tendency to hide from one another. Because we struggle often with conflicting ideas. On one hand, we desire to be close to one another. On one hand, we desire to be together. We understand the value of that. I think we understand the value of that just on a fundamental level. But yet, on the other hand, there is a tendency in the nature of humankind to hold one another at arm's length. However, Jesus prayed in John 17 that we might be one. That's what his prayer was. But for that to happen, there's a lot of barriers that we got to press through. There's some walls that we've got to tear down and bridges that we not only have to build, but we have to maintain them. Suspicion has to be replaced with openness. And I know today that I'm preaching to to many adults in this building that could say, well, you know, I've been burned. Well, to you, I would say, join the club. We've all been burned. We've all been burned. Uncertainty has to be replaced with willingness. You can't just always sit back and say, well, I'm not going to do anything until this makes 100% sense to me. I understand caution and I live a pretty cautious life, but at the same time, I know that there are times that we just have to say, Lord, help me to, to be willing to just get involved and, and invested. And then finally, I believe that fear has to be replaced with love. On the day of Pentecost, that's exactly what happened. I, I know that we focus a lot on um, the fire, like cloven tongues. We focus a lot on the rushing mighty wind. We focus a lot on those things when we're talking about the upper room and that experience and all of that is right and we are not errant in our ideology for that. However, 
I believe that what we must see beyond, beyond the rushing mighty wind, beyond cloven tongues like as of fire, we have to see the barriers that came down. We have to see the fear that left the room and we have to see the suspicion that was put on hold and we have to see the uncertainty that was put in its right place. The spirit of God moved. The power of God gave birth to a powerful spirit of unity within the New Testament believers. And so if we move from Acts chapter 2 to Acts chapter 4, we get a glimpse into the level of that unity. It's certainly that level of unity that existed in the beginning. And so I'm going to go back and say that not only do you have to build bridges, you've got to maintain those bridges. You can't just create friendships. You've got to maintain friendships. Anybody here ever had to work on your friendship with people? You've got to maintain that. You've got to do something with it. And so there was a spirit of oneness. I think that when we look in the upper room and that experience and, of course, the, uh, the season of time that followed that, there was a spirit, a sense of oneness that could not have been a... Uh, derived by anything that man had to do. This was definitely the power of God that had given birth to this. I believe that down inside of us that we all, all want to be close and that we all want to be a part of the same family. I'm talking about humankind as a whole and that we all want to be in tune with one another. I think in, the, in our heart of hearts, that's what we want to do. And so as we consider a few scriptures from Acts 4, I want to see uh, together this morning what kind of unity the Spirit of the Lord birthed in this young New Testament church and what kind of unity He can produce in all of us. I'm not suggesting that there's an absence of unity here today. I'm not trying to address something from the behind the, the coming in the back door, but I will tell you that if we don't maintain all these things, we can lose them as quickly as we, or we can lose them quicker actually than we gain them. So what we see in Acts 4, Acts 4 and 32, the very first portion of that scripture alone, we see this divine unity that was given birth to by nothing and none other less than the spirit of God. And so the Bible says, and the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and one soul, one heart and one soul. That's what happened in the church. And so to everybody here uh, that has any kind of relationship, any kind of relationship whatsoever, and so I don't want to just uh, I don't want to just take a knife and cut out just one little demographic here, but whatever relationship you may be in, you know uh, that that it takes it takes a lot of effort to maintain that relationship. No matter how much you love someone, you don't always agree with them. Amen. What was a little, little scaredy cat response there? Everybody's just kind of, maybe you're sitting too close. I'm, maybe all this distance got me feeling brave here this morning. I don't know. But we don't always see eye to eye. We don't always get along. We don't always answer one another in the right tone of voice. You don't always say, now most of the time I get it right. But I'm just saying that there are times, there are times there are times that, that the look is wrong. There are times the response is wrong. And, and some of you are sitting here looking like you have no idea what I'm talking about. Either you're from Mars. Amen. Or you just need to get real with us this morning. Uh, 
But the Lord, the Lord just gave birth. He produced this divine unity among them. The Bible says the first part of verse 32 that they were of one heart and they were of one mind, one heart and one mind. And, and they were experiencing this sense of true and pure oneness. They were experiencing a unity that could not in no way be replicated by humanity. The diverse multitude that had gathered, if you remember, we go back, they were of all nations. They were of all tongues. There were all manner of cultures that have now converged into this one moment. And God unified this body, one heart, one mind. That was a divine thing. They had all been melted together. Things which before had divided them. Things which before had been barriers to them were now pressed into insignificance. They have been completely eradicated. There was a unity of faith. There was a unity of emotions. There was a unity of will. They were all together because they all believed the same thing. There was a commonness. There was a oneness about them. The Bible says in 1 John 1 and 7, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And so this is not about just me and Jesus having our own thing going. This is about me and Jesus having a relationship, but we've got to pull one another into this, and we have to walk together in the unity of the faith. And it is only as we walk in the light of God's word that we can enjoy fellowship with one another. The Bible says, the Bible says in another place, how can any two walk together unless they be agreed? There has to be a spirit of agreement that we're going to walk together. Amen. They were not united by their faith. They were united in their heart. This was something special, something significant. They didn't just agree to get along, to get through some event. But they were together in one heart. What started in faith, it made its way to their heart. It made its way to, it made its way to the very system through which life was given to them. And not only did they believe this intellectually, but they had experienced this firsthand. They were walking through this. They had been given a new life and they were excited about what God was doing in their midst and in their lives. Now, for the first time, they could truly call one another brother and sister. I know that's the culture of the church world. We refer to one another as brother so-and-so, sister so-and-so. We're not trying to do that uh, just to sound or uh, follow some religious rite. But that is, the, that is the oneness that we feel in our heart toward one another. It's a, there's a brotherhood. There's a sisterhood. We're a part of one family. Barriers are gone and, and the one faith in, in one heart. And what had happened on the day of Pentecost didn't just happen in their heart. It didn't just affect what was in their heart, but it really touched their mind. It changed their way of thinking. They decided they're going to follow through on what happened to them. There's a lot of people that can have an experience and then walk away from that. That's something that just happened in their heart, didn't really happen in their head. But there are many here today represented that said something happened to me a long time ago. I had an experience with the Lord. Yes, it affected my heart, but it also it got in my mind. I, it got a hold of me. There's something in me that I was determined, I'm not just going to do this one time. I'm going to keep coming. Coming back to the well. And so I believe that if we as a, as a church 
are ever going to experience this level of unity that we have got not only to desire to do it, we have got to decide to do it. Uh, there's a lot of people that desire to do a lot of things, but they haven't decided to do that yet. And I can't just sit back and desire to, to have a better prayer life. I've got to decide to have a prayer prayer life. I can't just desire to be faithful. I've got to decide that this is what I'm going to do. It says in the latter portion of that same verse, 40, uh, chapter 32, neither said any of them that ought of things which they possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. Or in other words, if I could put it in our language today, nobody put their hand on something that said, this is mine. That's what we find happening in daycares. That's what you find happening among children. And somebody picks up something, another child runs across the room and they grab it and they say those two words, that's mine, that's mine. And so what, what the writer here in, in, in Acts was trying to say is there's no one there in this moment that said, you know, these things that I possess, they're mine, they're mine, but we have all things in common. They acknowledged that they were just one we're just one together. They said what's mine is yours and, and uh, what's yours is mine and together we are going to be able to make the whole. Amen. Only God can do this. Um, you know why I know only God can do this? Because some of you are getting ticklish right now with me just talking about this. Because you're wondering where are you going with this? Are we all going to turn in our wallet at the end of the service and we're all going to break it all out and we're all going to leave here on equal footing? Because you see, that's the nature of humanity. We're thinking, I don't know. I don't know about all this. What's yours is mine. What's mine is mine. I mean, you, you know, when you, you can say that sometimes in a small setting, but when you get in a larger and a larger and a larger setting, the more foggy the atmosphere gets. Because we're not so sure about those kind of things. We're not so sure about those things. Amen. But you see, only God could do something like that. In the heart of people that now for the first time are together, they're just looking at one another. And they're not caught up in some mystical moment. No, this is the divine thing. Something was born of God and it was carried on in his power. I will tell you that there is too much self-centeredness in the world in which we live to pull off something like that. Amen. There is too much selfishness in the world in which we live to pull off something like that just through mere human means. We're going to have to have God to, to touch our heart. We've got to surrender to him our will to his. And so there was this divine sense of unity. But that wasn't the only level or layer of unity that was existent on this day. In Acts 4.33, the Bible says, And with great power he gave the apostles witness. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. These people were not just in one spirit, but they were in one purpose. The Bible, one of the Old Testament uh, prophets writes about something uh, about the spirit of the Lord that, that says there is one thing we can find in your presence, but there's something else that we can find in your purpose. We can get this from your presence, but we find this in your purpose. And so I would tell you today that there are some things we can get from the presence of God. We can get in the presence of God, move 
moved for a moment, stirred for a season. But I will tell you that when you go beyond the presence of God and you step into the purpose of God, we're not just moved for a moment and we're not just moved for a season. Amen. So the great Sanhedrin court had warned them not to speak anymore about the name of Jesus. However, the power of the Spirit was so alive in their hearts, so working in their spirit, that they were more united than ever before. We must get the job done. It says that the apostles were given witness with great power, with great power. It further states that much grace was given to them all. And I will tell you, there is nothing like a church that is united around a purpose. There is nothing like a church that gets centered around a purpose. Amen. Not just the presence, but gets centered around a purpose. A unity in terms of our ministry, I believe, produces an even greater unity among us because we start stepping into that purpose and we see what God is unfolding and unveiling before our eyes. The purpose of us being one, you see, is just not to bask, for us to bask, rather, in our oneness, but it is for all of us to join in a common purpose because there is work to be done. And we can't do it alone. I've mentioned this in the last service or so, but the work of the church can't be done by the ministry alone. It can't be done by the pastor alone. It can't be done by the ministry team alone. It can't be done by the leadership alone. Everybody has got to say, let me bear some of the load because there's work to be done. The great commission has to be fulfilled. That's why Jesus left the church on earth. And that's why he made us one heart and one soul. And I believe that significant and effective ministry can be done only done by churches which are united in one mind, one heart to see that goal accomplished. The Bible says of Nehemiah rebuilding the wall, he stepped into an absolute disaster. Amen. If you read the beginning of this, if you begin read the unfolding of the story, Nehemiah looked around and he said not to himself. He didn't look in the mirror and say, young man, you got a job on your hands. He didn't look in the mirror and say, uh, fellow, you got a big project ahead of you. The Bible said he looked around at those that were there. And he said this, ye do see the distress that we are in. <laughs> There's a lot of people that want to come to me and say, you've got a problem. <laughs> and what I'm trying to get you to do is come to me and say, hey, we got a problem. That's what Nehemiah was doing. You smiled, some of you. There you go. Amen. We've got a problem. Why? Because we are in this. We are in this. Amen. If some pipe line bursts here before we leave here today, I hope nobody runs to me and say, hey, you, you got a pipe that's leaking, or hey, you got a sink that's dripping, or hey, you've got a floor that needs to be vacuumed. I hope that there is a unity and a oneness that says, hey, we've got to take care of this. We've got to, we've got to roll up our sleeves, and we've got to invest ourselves in this. Amen. So we can talk about this divine unity, or we can talk about this ministerial unity this putting our shoulders to the wheel amen that comes as a result of a decision that says we are going to pull together and we're going to all pull in the same direction over the last several months and through various ministry voices really God has challenged us as a church I hope we have been listening 
There has been a real common denominator among the messages, a continuity among the messages that the Lord has not only delivered among our own ministers, but others that have stood in this pulpit. And so there is a challenge that God is leading us and molding us and shaping us to another level of growth, another level of stretching ourselves. So the question is, what are we going to do? Perhaps the more pointed question is, what are you going to do? What am I going to do? What are we collectively going to do? Because if this church or any other church is going to have the unity of purpose that we need, it means everybody has to be on board it means everybody has to be pulling in the same direction and it means everybody's got to be sharing the load amen I'm not just talking about physical things we could talk about a lot of physical things about a lot of natural things but there's a spiritual element of church everybody needs to be praying for the church everybody needs to be fasting for the church everybody needs to be thinking about Sunday morning church before Sunday morning everybody needs to be thinking about Wednesday night church before Wednesday night Amen. Somebody needs to be praying as soon as we leave here today. Lord, touch our pastor for Wednesday night. Anoint his mind. Anoint his heart. Touch the ministers of our church, those that are going to be standing behind this desk. Deal with them, Lord. Speak to them. Amen. I want to tell you something. God still speaks and people still listen. Uh, yesterday morning, I was called on, had the privilege of speaking our conference yesterday, prayer conference. And, and so early yesterday morning, before daylight, I was up and, and doing my last minute preparations for that service and, and I sent out a few prayer requests to some people and I just said I'm pray I'm preaching today and, and I would just appreciate it if you could just whisper a prayer and I sent I sent a prayer request <clears throat> I sent one of those prayer requests to Sister Corin. I don't really mind telling you who it was I sent a prayer request to Sister Corin, and uh, so uh, Sister Corin. Uh, she replied to the email. She's going to kill me for sharing this. She replied to my text message, but she forgot to hit send. So we've all been there, right? Yes. Sister Corin, she always watches our services. I was going to, so she is going to hear this. Okay. <laughs> I love you, Sister Corin. <laughs> I didn't think this all the way through. <clears throat> But I'm in it now. So anyway, and, and, so, and so she later, after the service was over, she said she sent me a text. She, she went back to the text to respond, and then she realized she hadn't sent the original text. But she said, the Lord woke me up at 3.26 a.m. yesterday morning. And she said, I was a burden for you. And I got up and prayed for you. Amen. Can I tell you this morning, that's talking about people that are not just united in a moment. Not somebody that's just a part of this for a second. Amen. Not somebody, she, obviously, for those of you who don't know, uh, just her husband passed away and, and, uh, and it was in their best interest for her to move to her daughter and son-in-law's home and that's where she is today. But for 18 years, they were a part of our church and we miss her so, so much. But I'm thankful, I'm very thankful that God spoke to her and that she prayed a prayer of faith and she wasn't the only one, but I'm thankful. She may have been the only one at 3.26 a.m., amen, but she was 
praying for me and I appreciate that. That's what I'm talking about. What are we going to do when the Spirit, as a matter of fact, Bishop Bernard preached about this at our prayer conference. Are we going to be the one to say, Lord, you can count on me. If you need me in the middle of the night, if you need me in the early morning hours to, to, to stir me and to wake me up and pray, I'm talking about a church that is united, a church that says we're in this, we are in this and we are in this together. And so we got to decide that I'm just going to do more than give my spare time to this endeavor. Amen. I'm going to support this with everything that I have. I'm going to do more than just give something that I have in overflow to this. Amen. I'm going to invest myself. I'm going to be an active participant in this. That's where God is leading us. And then that takes us to another level of unity that is mentioned in this passage of Scripture, Acts chapter 4, verse 34. Neither was, any, was there anything among them that lacked. Neither was there any among them that lacked. For as many as were possessors of lands... Or houses sold them and brought the price of the things that were sold and laid them down at the apostles' feet and distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. And so we have watched this divine layer of unity that, that happened in the church. We've watched this ministerial level of unity that says we're going to buy into the purpose of this. We're going to step in and we're going to invest ourselves. And now we see that God says, I'm going to take this one step further because we're going to get you involved. We're going to get the oil off your hands. We're going to get the sweat off of your brow and you're going to invest in this thing, invest time, effort and energy. And so in order for them to provide for the needs of all of them, the Bible says those that had possessions sold them and they taught, they brought the worth of that and they laid that whatever it was at the apostles feet and then the scripture says that distribution was made and as a result watch this none among them lacked there was a spontaneous expression of what God had done in their heart and so this wasn't just something that happened in their tongue this wasn't just salty tears running down their eyes this wasn't somebody that raised their hand and said I'll do it this wasn't somebody that signed their name on a, on a, on a commitment list somewhere but this is someone that sat down at the dinner table and said honey what do you think amen darling what do you think we got to get ourselves invested into this thing and so they felt that they needed to express they needed to share everything they have and, and, and there was a battle amen there's a battle that we have to overcome in order to talk about this passage amen I, 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 I dealt with it just a little bit a moment ago but through the years and I see this, I really do see this, but through the years, I've had many people say to me, Brother Williams, when you read that passage of Scripture, it, it just seems to me like that that sort of has a socialistic overtone. It's okay to amen. It seems like, it seems like there's almost a spirit of communism, an occultish mindset behind this passage of Scripture. So how... Can you preach something like that? Of course. This is absolutely not. I'm standing flat-footed. I'm going to look you dead in the eye 
and tell you that this is not what the Bible is promoting. This is not what the scripture is talking about. Instead, what we are witnessing the scripture is a spontaneous expression of people that sincerely cared for one another. And they said, I'm not going to have while you have not. I am not going to have while there is want in your life. Amen. They were said, we're, we're not just interested in how you are doing uh, mentally or emotionally, but we are interested how you're doing even in your possessions. This is something that is born from within. And let me tell you, it is not something that is imposed from without. They cared, so they gave. So now let's take Let's take Acts 4 and let's pull it out of the context of Acts 4 and let's slip it right here among us today and let's put it in the context of where we're living. It is akin to our missions given and there are many other things, but I'm just going to liken it to this, of our missions given year in and year out. We give to NAM, North American Missions. North American Missions allows us by our giving to help others go into cities where there are no churches, into towns where there are no churches, amen, into areas where they need more churches and plant other churches. Many a times these families go, whether it's started as a preaching point, a daughter work, or a self-governing church, we are able to invest. And so while there is a need that someone has, a need that someone one has and we say Lord we're going to we just want you to help us uh, a pastor friend of mine just a few months ago was at general at our general conference in Indianapolis and and by his own testimony he said I prayed before I went to to the conference and I said Lord I want you to lead me somewhere I want you to lead me to someone I want you to lead me to someone that has a need and then I want you Lord to help me or help us as a church fulfill that need that was his prayer that was his prayer before conference while he was at conference he met a church planter and uh, from another part of our nation not a part of the Florida district and another part of our nation and so they began to talk about their needs and and uh, he asked him, he, he approached him, he said, I want you to talk to me about the work God has called you to do and, and talk to me about this. And he said, well, one of the great struggles we have is trying to lease a building because of the price of leases and things of that nature. Just on a side note, just, just yesterday, my wife and I were coming home from Ocala and one of our young church planters said, we need you to pray with us because our landlord has now, through just some real slick and, and, uh, and, and underhanded work, has now, uh, they, they, they lost the contract. Uh, they lost their five-year contract and now we're gonna have to move on November the 30th. We gotta move out. We're trying to find places to rent and the places that are nearest to us are seven, eight, nine, and ten thousand dollars a month in order to rent. And we just need a miracle. We need God to do something. And we need God to help us. And so we're gonna just share that with you today. Amen. But this church planner said what we're looking at is a, a rent of thirty five hundred dollars a month. And, and we just need some help. And so my pastor friend took this home and he sat down with their leadership and, and he just began to talk about that and share that maybe we could help them with a few months rent. Maybe we could help them in some way. And somebody in that meeting raised their hand under the unction of the Spirit of God. And I said, and they said, I wonder if we could pay their rent for a year. Well, that was a pretty tall order. I've been in a few of those meetings. 
where somebody throws something on the table like that. And you can't just adjourn and go to lunch. I mean, you got, <laughs> you got to deal with that that's been tossed out there. Amen. But it was, a, it was an, an anointed moment. And so they just said, well, let's just pray about it. Let's just pray about it. The pastor got up before the church and said, I want to just present what's happened. And they took up a special offering and they received more in that one-time offering, more than enough to pay over a year's rent. Are you hearing me? Amen. And so I want to get your brain out of Acts 4. I want to get your brain away from communism. I want to get your brain away from socialism and say, here's what we're doing. When there's a need, we're going to say, we don't want to have and you have not. We don't want to be and you be without. We want to help global missionaries around the world in our global, in our general conference. And I, I don't talk about money a lot. Amen. And I don't talk about it near enough. I say it all the time. Amen. And that, that's, that's not to my credit. It. But I will tell you that our at our general conference in our global mission service, over five million dollars was raised for global missions, and I am global, and and that is an effort to send all of our missionaries back to their field of labor and to get them off of deputation, trying to raise a budget. And so, just a couple of days ago, uh, brother and sister boy, yet I got our 2024 mission statement telling us who our missionaries are going to be and our schedule for 2024. But there was a big note at the bottom of it that says note note some of these missionaries may not be available to be in service with you because they because of I am global they may be back in their field of labor and to that end I say dear God I hope none of them are available I hope none of them are in America I hope none of them especially men are going to be able to be in Hatchabin Apostolic Church you know why because we decided we're not going to have and you have not. We are going to sell our possessions, so to speak. We're going to lay them at the feet of the apostles. Praise God. And we're going to make sure, we're going to make sure that the needs are met. And today, today, you just saw the video a few minutes ago. Amen. We say to those children and to those workers and to those that have a burden, you see, we're not there day in and day out. We're not there to unstop the toilet. We're not there to mow the grass. We're not there to have to replace the gate that started that, that started dragging over time. No, no, no. We can't go, but we can give, and we can be a part of it, and we can take great, great consolation in knowing that we are the church united. Amen. Amen. Well, I feel good about the Holy Ghost. Amen. I feel good in the Holy Ghost about what we're doing here this morning. Amen. We think about disaster relief. And I'm, and I'm going to end after this. But we think about, not my sermon, just these, <laughs> just for clarification. We got, we got some, we got some, we got some clock watchers, so I got to be real specific. A disaster relief, just a few months ago, of course, our area of the state was affected. And I had pastors that called me that said, I've never been so humbled in all of my life that my phone just started ringing out of the middle of nowhere from people I did not even know 
And people showed up in mass and they came with chainsaws and they came with gas and they came with generators. Are you hearing me? Amen. They came and they said, they, some of them called and said, we're many states away. We can't come. We can't send anybody. But our church received an offering. This is what we're talking about. I'm talking about a united church. I'm talking about a church that says we're not going to have and you not have. This is how we're going to accomplish it. And so I pray, Lord, it's not ours anyway. Amen. It's not really ours anyway. God is telling us quite clearly that our possessions are only a means that he can use to work through to help accomplish his will. And so I have said it many, many times as a pastor of this church that whatever God gives you, just hold on to it loosely. Whatever God gives you, it may be yours for keeps. It may be yours forever. But you know what? Maybe the Lord just entrusted it to your hand because he was trying to get it to another hand. And who knows, they may be trying to get it to another hand. But I say, Lord, if you can just touch us and we can be some small part of a big thing that you're doing in the world, then we want to be a part of it. Amen. That is the message. Hallelujah. Because you can tell quite a bit about a person's walk with God by their giving. People who are truly surrendered to the Lord, there's a reflection of that in their generosity. When people don't give or when people give little, when they could give more, I mean, there is something not quite right in your relationship with God because it's not ours anyway. He gave it to us as stewards. He entrusted us with that. And so when a person who has been taught what the scripture teaches about giving ignores that, that's a serious commitment issue with God. Amen. It indicates that we're not willing to be obedient to the, to the Lord's will. And, 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 and I will just tell you that I'm not preaching something I don't practice. Amen. We were at our, at, at our conference and the Lord laid a, a number on my heart to give. Not from us as a church, but from my wife and I. And, uh, and I'm just so thankful that when I sat down with my wife, I said, the Lord has laid on my heart to give something to I Am Global. She said, that's fine with me. I said, but it's a lot. And she said, that's fine with me. I'm glad, Brother Kenny Townsend, that didn't turn into a scuffle in the Boyd household. Amen. I'm glad that we didn't have to have an arm wrestling match because it kept the windows over our home open. Hallelujah. He said, if you will give, prove me now herewith, saith the Lord, if I will not pour you out a blessing. I'm going to open the windows of heaven, he said. I'll pour you out a blessing that there'll not be room enough to contain it. I know my message is not about giving today. It may seem like it right now, but the only other time that the word windows is mentioned in Scripture is when God opened the window of heaven and let it rain over Noah. I'm going to tell you, that was a significant window opening. That was a significant outpouring. And so I will tell you this morning that if I have control over the window, I'm going to say, Lord, open it up. Just open it up. Amen. And whatever you give me, let me hold it loosely. Whatever you entrust me to have, oh God, don't ever let it, me call it mine. Don't ever let me say this is mine. Hallelujah. I want to just say it's mine until the Lord needs it better or worse. It's mine for now. It's mine for a season because in time, in time, we're going to let go anyway. Amen. There's a lot of things we aspire to do. Musicians may become, there's a lot of things we aspire to do in our life. 
that we really may not be able to do. Just keep it real. We may aspire to be a foreign missionary. And that may not ever be a reality. We may aspire to be a part of of something that happens within the kingdom of God that may never be a door that opens. That's just a reality. But there's one thing that everybody has the ability and the power to do, and that is give. We can give of our time, give of our effort, give of our talent, give of our energy. And so when I talk about giving, I'm not just talking about dollars and cents. Many of you, at least some of you have heard this illustration before, or this story before, but many years ago, and we, my wife and I, we were part of my uncle's church, and and it was a home missions. It was a it was a church plant, and, and um, you know it was a small group of people that were gathering, and and we didn't have a lot of talent and ability, and so uh, our pastor said to my wife, who had inherited her great grandmother's piano. And she was just kind of playing around in the house. She had learned three chords, and one of them she came come to find out later wasn't even the right chord. That's her testimony. I'm not saying that to embarrass her. But my, our pastor said, you're the church piano player. That was her. <laughs> that was when we got her off the floor, that was her same response. And she struggled. My, our pastor played a flat top guitar and stood behind the piano. And he, he played the p- guitar and he led the singing. And then he also hollered out to her when it was time to change. He'd be singing. <laughs> uh, true story. Everybody will be happy over the change. Everybody. <laughs> well, we didn't just live through it. We lived to laugh about it. <clears throat> So we were at a special service one night, and apparently there were no music musicians that were there. So my pastor called my wife up, who had only played just a few times in our local church, and now she's on a bigger platform, a bigger service, and strange people, and, and uh, it was just a horrifying experience. And so she, she just, um, I don't mean she did a horrifying job, I'm saying it was a horrifying experience for her. And so we're muddling through the service. We get by. When all along, the guest speaker, when, we, when they turned the service over to him, he got up and walked over to the piano and just played like Liberace. Well, huh? If God has given you something, don't sit on it. Don't sit on it. Use it. Say, here am I. Send me. Now, I'm not altogether trying to say that he was trying to look like the star of the night. I don't mean that. Maybe he didn't know what to do. Maybe it was an awkward situation. I don't know. I don't know his side of the story. I only know our side of the story. But don't sit on your talent. If you've got the ability to do something, raise your hand. Say, I'll take care of that. I notice this needs to be done. I'll, let me take care of that. I may not can sing. I may not teach a class, but I could, I could do that. I could take care of that. Amen. That's the church united. 
I know I've preached a long time today. I'll ask you to stand. But I'll ask the Lord to touch our hearts. And amen. Say, Lord, help me. Help me to be able to, to do what I should do. Help me to invest where I need to be invested. Help me to, to do what you've given me the specific ability to do. Amen. Sometimes we may feel like when we measure ourselves against someone else, how, how could I do that? I could never do that. But you never know what God is going to do in the life of a person. Amen. We meet a man in the Old Testament by the name of Joseph, but we also meet a man in the New Testament by the name of Joseph. He was a Levite devoted to handling sacred things. But because of his nature, the apostles had renamed him. They, had, they started calling him Barnabas because he was such an encourager. Son of encouragement, that's what Barnabas means. So every time you see Barnabas in the book of Acts, he's engaging himself in the ministry of encouragement. Later in the book of Acts, when John Mark defected during the first missionary journey with the apostle Paul, it was Barnabas who interceded for him and eventually took Mark to work with him. And Maybe many of you know the story. And in time, John Mark was used in a great way. Perhaps because Barnabas had been an encourager. So we might not think, well, there's a big market for me to just launch a full-time ministry of, en of encouragement, you know. We can think about a missionary, an evangelist, a prophet, healer. But nobody has said, you know, I think I'm going to, just hit the road and encourage people. Because we don't see that as a viable ministry. But the spirit of encouragement elevated him in the kingdom of God. And so what I'm telling you to do, there are people who are encouragers. There's encouragers in this house. I'm not talking about backslappers. I'm talking about real encouragers. They have that gift they can sense something in your spirit. They don't need to know every detail. They don't need to know any detail. They just have the ability to lift that load. Amen. Oh, how valuable that is. Exercise yourself. Would you slip your hands up with me? And our, let's, just, let's just magnify the Lord for a moment and ask God to touch us in this place. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806. Or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.